1: Inside sources, inside sources, inside sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, after the midterm saw what was supposed to be a big red wave crash into the big blue wall, uh, into mostly a stalemate. Uh, Republicans are clearly at a crossroads. They're looking for someone and something that really represents the party and something that will drive them into the future and not just looking in the rearview mirror uh, at 2020. Uh, Many of those, especially in light of uh, former President Donald Trump's announcement last night that he is running for president again in 2024, uh, many are turning to Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis uh, to be part of that uh, next round. Uh, but is DeSantis the future? Is uh, the New York Post take on that, or is he too polarizing for the swing voters that the Republican Party needs to win in a lot of those purple states, uh, swing states across the country? So we're going to get into that just a little bit. Jonathan Bidlack is the director of the Governance Program at the R Street Institute, and uh, Jonathan, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thanks a lot, boys. Glad to be here.
1: All right, so let's let's dive into this. A lot of people have uh, instantly turned uh, to Ron DeSantis, saying, "Oh, here's the future. He's a governor." Uh, I tend to think governors do uh, a pretty much better job of governing because they know how to govern uh, than a lot of senators that uh, work their way into the presidency. Uh, But as you look at the Ron DeSantis phenomenon, uh, there's some things underneath the surface to that that I think we have to dig into. You did a great job of this in uh, your piece. Uh, So let's break this down a little bit in terms of uh, what does Ron DeSantis have going? And then what are some of those underlying things that may be in the uh, not so fast category?
2: The Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think I mean, look, I mean, Governor DeSantis has a really done a really good job of raising his name ID nationally among the Republican base. I mean, he's done a lot of these sort of stunts, right, that have gotten attention and sort of, uh, uh, you know, created a sort of uh, enduring uh, appreciation from from the Republican base. And so, you know, that's part of the reason why he's being seen as, you know, the alternative or a at least the most likely. Uh, a potential alternative to Donald Trump in 2024. My critique is that, you know, when I look at what just happened on Tuesday, um, you know, th- to the point of, of what you said, I mean, you know, voters didn't just, in my mind, reject Donald Trump. What they really were rejecting was, was you know, Trumpism, you know, like Donald Trump was not on the ballot. He wasn't running for for Senate, you know, in Pennsylvania or Arizona or Nevada. Um, but those ideas were on the ballot. And I think that, you know, Ron DeSantis, uh, for better or worse, um, is very much a kindred spirit with, you know, a a lot of the things uh, associated with Donald Trump that were rejected by voters on Tuesday. And so I have no doubt that, you know, DeSantis can be competitive in a Republican primary, that he can, you know, uh, that he could, he could, you know, become the nominee in 2024. But the question for Republicans is, who can they nominate that ultimately makes them the most competitive against the Democrats in a general election? And I would say that Tuesday's results kind of cast a lot of doubt on that because very much rejecting the kind of Trumpism, not only that, you know, elevated uh, Donald Trump in his presidency, but also that, that, you know, uh, that Ron DeSantis has sort of glommed onto as a way of endearing himself to the Republican base.
0: It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison.
1: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
0: I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, I think that's so fascinating and I think you're spot on. It, it's one thing to win a nomination in the spring. It's quite another to to win the presidency in the fall in the, in the general election. And, and so a lot of those things, uh, that I think uh, do kind of exasperate a lot of the uh, the population, a lot of the voters, uh, in terms of that approach and style, that uh, that component to it. Uh, and so I wanted to dig in a little bit. You uh, you talked about some of the other governors who have gone a different way, but could also be very strong and actually very popular in a general election.
2: Well, that's just it. I mean, if, if you look at, for example, you know Mike DeWine in in Ohio. Uh, you know, Governor DeWine uh, won his race by, I believe it was over 20, it was like 25 and a half points. Um, and you compare that with J.D. Vance, uh, you know, who who won the Senate race in Ohio by only 6.6 points. Um, another great example is Chris Sununu in New Hampshire. I mean, Sununu won his race by something like, you know, 15, um, but then you had Don Bolduc, who who got crushed in the in the Senate race against Maggie Hassan, and so you know here you have cases where these two Republican governors significantly outran the Republican um, uh, you know nominee for Senate, um, and then when you contrast that with, with Governor DeSantis in Florida. You know, much has been made about the fact that he won by 19, but of course Marco Rubio essentially won by you know 16 and a half. So I think you know DeSantis only outran Marco Rubio by about three percentage points. And so, um, you know, and, and then and then I think there's this other this other factor that Republicans don't want to acknowledge, and that is that. Florida, at this point in time, is largely a red state now. It's not really a swing state. And so, you know, we can debate whether or not Governor, you know, the degree to which Governor DeSantis is responsible for that trend. I would argue that, you know, it largely reflects trends that have been happening elsewhere in the country. You know, we've seen, for example, Hispanics moving more toward uh, Republicans in in, in recent elections. Um, You know, obviously, Florida has a very elderly population, which tends to skew much more to the right and so you know, it's unclear to me that someone who gets a convincing victory in a red state like Florida is really that competitive in states like you know, not just Ohio, but, you know, New Hampshire or Pennsylvania or Nevada, Arizona and these other these other sort of swing states. Um, and so when you take those two factors together, you know, Florida's demographics looking quite different than a lot of the other swing states um, and the fact that that, you know, DeSantis has made a name for himself on issues that voters are rejecting. Um, How competitive is he really in a 2024 general election?
1: Yeah, and I think one other point I want to get to uh, quickly with you, Jonathan, uh, that I thought was uh, so astute in your piece today uh, was this idea of swapping one cult of personality for another cult of personality. Uh, There's a whole lot of risk to that uh, for the Republican Party.
2: I think that I think that's it. I mean, you know, there's no doubt that in the last, you know, five, five to six years, there's been a a cult and maybe longer now, you know, sort of a cult of personality around around Donald Trump. And I think that that balloon got burst a little bit on, on Tuesday. But, you know. Now seeing a lot of Republicans doing is basically shifting over to what I what I would argue is becoming you know almost a cult of personality around around Governor DeSantis, um, and that's great that's great for him. Um, but the, the problem for Republicans is that uh, it, it you know it potentially creates a situation where you're not sort of looking at all of the potential options that you have on the table um, and sort of choosing clear-eyed uh, who your who your strongest nominee might be. And so um, you know I think that that is that is the risk. And there are obviously, you know, we've seen sort of risks at a a macro scale to, you know, democratic norms and and institutions and so on from from a large segment of voters engaging in that kind of. Uh, You know, cult of personality. But I think that there's also uh, potential electoral consequences Mm. that could be at play here for Republicans if they don't really go and think hard about who the actual best candidate might be.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing, especially with the former president announcing already very early, obviously. Uh, Will that force Governor DeSantis to declare earlier than maybe he wanted to? Or or is there that rush, as you've been describing, Jonathan, of uh, rush to anoint someone to to take that spot? Uh, I think we could end up very much like a a 2016 with a host of candidates uh, throwing their hat in the ring uh, as this thing moves forward. And and I think a good slow process is is – while painful for the rest of us, uh, is probably a good thing <laughs> in the end. Jonathan Bidlacks, the director of the governance program at the R Street Institute. Uh, Jonathan, always appreciate your pr- perspective. Great insight on this one. Thanks so much. Great to be here. All right. Uh, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Representative John Curtis is back from Egypt. Uh, what was he doing there? Why does it matter to you? Find out. Coming up next. Stick around.
0: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.